Welcome everybody inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man Justin Quinn. We are three games into a fresh new Celtics and NBA season. Uh, Celtics sit at two and one. I'm knocking off a little rust to start the season. Um, we're going to go over the first three games, plus a lot of other things, including uh, Rondo, Chris Paul, Spitgate. Be sure to stick around for that because we got a lot of good stuff on that. Justin, what's going on, my man? Well, I don't really feel super excited about the fact that last week's predictions that I made for this week's record came true, but I'm still pretty happy overall. How about you? Did you? Yeah. So you had you had uh, us losing that Toronto game. Yeah, just because I I kind of thought they would be feeling themselves a little bit too much, and they needed to be coming at this the same way that Toronto was, which was with everything they had, and they didn't. You know, and it showed. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was really impressed with what I saw from Kawhi. Uh, I he's a they're a really good team. I think I think just seeing this early start to the season and like seeing them in that game, uh, which came down it was a close game, obviously. Um, and seeing the difference between him and Jamar DeRozan on that team. I mean, there if, if you didn't think that there was that big of a difference, you certainly noticed it there. Not that DeMar was not a good player, but Kawhi is like a Hall of Fame type caliber player. I mean, granted his, you know, short you know, young career, but like that's the kind of talent that he has versus uh, you know, multi year all star that DeRozan is. They still somehow look more beatable even though they upgraded, which is really weird, but Tell, tell me if it's if it's just me, but it seemed to me like just about their whole roster was playing their best game, and Kawhi still looked like he had room to grow, but to me that just basically is is telling me that at least for now, at least in this this iteration, it's, it's only one game, but from what I'm seeing, the the game plan is is not that different from say Milwaukee, where you you really only have to worry about one guy, and the rest of the rest of the team, as long as you have good execution, which we did not have at least late, um, the rest should take care of itself if everybody's healthy. What do you think? Well, my thing was, uh, and I think that, yes, you're right, they played an incredible game, and yet it was still close up until the end. And then the thing that made me feel better about it was the Celtics did not really play that great. I mean, in terms of, you know, guys are knocking off some rust. Hayward looked much better in that game than the first game. Um, But you know, Kyrie's still not quite there. Uh, his shooting isn't quite there. So, I mean, I think we we have a ways to go up. And being that we kept that game in Toronto that close, um, I, that that has me feeling optimistic. Anyway, um, but but and I, well, I'm really looking forward to that series. Hopefully, it's the Eastern Conference Finals. Though, what a series that's going to be. Um, you know, granted, Celtics at full. Full strength and full uh, fresh legs under them uh, will be much, I think, more formidable too. So maybe it won't be as close as I think, but I think that'll still be a hell of a series. Um, anyways, before we get too crazy with Toronto here, let's backtrack to the opener: um, Celtics versus Philly in a game that was close in the first half. Uh, then Boston just totally turned it on and, and ended up blowing them out. Um, your thoughts on the Philly, the Philly game? Well, the home opener in general. I'm mean, not the home opener, season opener for the season. The the candid comments by Joel Embiid after the game actually has probably done more than anything to make me respect him. And, and at least, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm biased, but I, I agree with him that it's it's not a rivalry. It's not an all a rivalry, and it could really, 
you know, shape up to be more of a rivalry by the end of the season if they make some moves to address their, their complete lack of depth. They have a great starting five, but once they get gassed, they don't have anyone to rotate to, so I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of feel that my, my prediction of them as a three or four seed by the end of the season is looking more realistic now that I've seen them in action. I mean, we still have to see how Wilson Chandler is going to help their, their second unit. He was out. Uh, some people seem to think that Muscala is going to help, and I think he'll help a little bit, but I don't think he's going to be the difference. I still think they need at least at least another shooter to put on at least either the first unit or the second unit, depending on the caliber guy they can pick up. Yeah, and I mean, my thing with um, Philly, they almost have the opposite problem that we have, where we have like a plethora of, of depth. Um, you know, like you said, their starting five is, is very talented, but what they're going to get from the bench and how that's sorted out, it's almost like the opposite thing. They, they don't have enough weapons off the bench, whereas we have um, a, uh, a bountiful amount of them, <laughs> Maybe, which may we could talk about may end up being somewhat of a problem anyways. But um, Adam looked great in that first game. Now, he's looked great in every game so far. Uh, so Hayward was a little rusty in game one. Um, not a great shooting night, but definitely, you know, getting loose in that first game, he looked much better in game two. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Hayward so far? Well, I mean, he it's, it's clearly not very much. I mean, there's probably still some physical aspects. He had some ankle soreness, which is why he's going to be sitting for, we're recording on Monday, so it would be uh, tonight's game versus Orlando. Uh, but he also tied his career high in steals in that game with four. So, you know, like the defense was one of the things that I was looking to, and his lateral movement still isn't fantastic, you know, but – he is able to, yeah, he's still able to defend effectively. You know, he's, he's still going to have some, some issues uh, probably for another several weeks, if not longer, but he is able to contribute as, as basically as a six man borderline starter. I mean, he's definitely better than say, to go back to the Philly game, Markel Fultz. Uh, they have some stuff to do trying to figure out what's going on with that guy. He, he, like I understand how they're trying to put him in, in their starting lineup uh, to try to develop him. But that's not the team that they're trying to be this year. Like, that, that's the team they're trying to be two years ago, and they, they need to bring him along a little more slowly before they crush the little confidence the kid has. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit concerned already with the, the injury bug because, you know, Kyrie clearly has some work to do. I don't know if it's physical. I kind of feel like he might – like, the shooting is concerning because – you know, most of them are jump shots that he's been having problems with. He doesn't seem to have any problem taking it to the rack. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to have too much um, – he doesn't seem to have any, any like, severe impact on his play. But the, the, there seems to be something off with, like, the, the mechanics of his shot, at least now. So that has me a little shaky on the, the, the two uh, marquee additions. I'm not worried. I think that with some time they'll be fine, you know, two, three, four, five weeks at the most. Um, but – in the Knicks game, we had a pair of injuries uh, to Smart with his thumb, which seems to be okay. It was a surgically repaired one, so that's always worrisome. And then Baines ended up hurting himself um, with a hamstring early in the uh, first half of the game against the Knicks. Um, and that, that game had me a little bit concerned all around just because the, everyone was playing so flat and so lost. And like anytime Al Horford wasn't on the floor, there was basically no, no coherent offense and just ISO ball. And that's something that's really got to get rectified because it was evident in the first two games, but it was really pronounced versus the Knicks. I think because they were being lazy 
knowing they were playing with Knicks, but the Knicks are well coached. They're going to beat you if you're lazy. Yeah, Fisdale, Fisdale's got them uh, looking definitely like they're playing. They're playing to win games here. So at least at least early on, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. was phenomenal in that fourth quarter. I mean, how often is he going to hit? By what have you hit four threes in the last the final five minutes? Um, so I mean, he, that guy has no problem taking the big shot. He doesn't always make them like that, but. Um, yeah, the, the Knicks look like they're they're trying to win games here. Like they 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 put up a good fight. Uh, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I think the Celtics kind of took their foot off the gas there at the end. I mean, we had like a nine point lead with like three and a half minutes to go, and then somehow barely eked out the game. So uh, you had like a twenty point. Well, early in the game, I'm talking about at the end though when it's time to close them out. You know, um, it, it was really a game they should have ran away. With. At least they should have picked it up there. Yeah, and yep. you know, so I mean, and. Whatever, they got the win, and a win is a win, but um, definitely can't be doing that against teams. I mean, we obviously have way more talent than the Knicks, so we were able to hold them off, but, um, you know, teams get hot like that, and it's you can't you can't leave it to be that close when it's a game you should have had well in hand. Um, but we can chalk that up to early season. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the biggest problems we're going to have, and we've seen so far, is like, the, the way the Celtics are going to close out games, uh, I see Stevens bringing guys in and out. Um, like, who's on that closing lineup? You know, Smart, Roger seem to be coming in and out. Uh, Hayward in and out at the end of games. Um, J- we've seen Jalen. Jalen really hasn't looked like himself yet. Um, not quite. It doesn't have, like, that. I, it feels like his offense is he's kind of holding back a little bit, Not not sure what his role is. Um, after being one of our top scorers at the end of the year last year. Um, what are your concerns in terms of the rotation and how well, well, the whole game as it is versus, and also the end of the game? Like, what, what, what do you think kind of with the plethora of weapons that we have, uh, what, do you see that being an issue? Um, I mean, it's, it is an issue. It's not right. even if it will be. It's, it's already clearly manifesting as one. Uh, I think that, that Jalen is trying to defer too much, uh, and I think that everyone – in particular, but Jalen especially, really the only person who isn't deferring is I'm very happy to see, and that's Tatum, obviously. It's been great to see him be super aggressive, but everyone needs to be like that. And pass to the hot hand until they start smothering him, and then then see what you have. Just don't worry about who gets fed. There's going to be enough shots taken in this high-powered offense. They just need to, if the guy makes a shot, keep passing it to him. If the guy doesn't make the shot, maybe take it to the other direction. You know, just feed the hot hand and, and see what shakes out because, you know, deference is not helping. Right. Them. And, well, and and to that point, if you're moving the ball, that's fine. But when you get a good look, take it. You know, it's uh, it, when you have all these weapons, like, you should be getting good shots. So, um, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, – I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, especially from Tatum. And granted, he's making the shots, but – um, you know, a lot of turnaround jumpers, mid-range jumpers. We, Hayward, I like seeing Hayward take them just because I want to see him get back into his rhythm. But I, I feel like over the first three games, we've seen a lot of um, iso ball, turnaround jump shots. Um, and guys taking it to the guys taking it to the rack one on one. But when you're beating your guy, that's fine. But um, you know, I, I think they're moving the ball when they shouldn't be, and then not moving the ball when they. Should be, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, there's, like like you say, they're playing hot potato at times when it's like you're open, take the jump shot. And then other times, you know, 
trying to play one-on-one when, you know, getting down, getting, and I think this is part of what causes this too, is you're moving the ball too much early in the shot clock and then getting it to somebody with five seconds left on the clock and here's Tatum, got to do a turnaround jump shot and granted he's been making them, but, you know, those are not high percentage shots no matter who's taking them. Um, you know, and with all the shooters and the weapons that we have, they got, they got to get things going earlier in the shot clock, um, you know, and take those opportunities as they come. Don't force them. So uh, that's that's my big takeaway. But it, I think it is going to be difficult to sort out this. I mean, we have so many guys. I mean, we've got 10 strong where it's like these guys should all be playing, you know, big NBA minutes and they'd be playing big minutes on most other teams. Um, you know, Morris has played. Morris has looked good, pr- pretty good in, in most of these games. Uh, he's a guy that, like, you know, what what is it? Obviously, different nights are going to call for different people with different sizes and the lineups and Baines and Tice and um, – Versus using smaller lineups, but um, I, I think it is going to be a big issue. And I mean, obviously, it'll sort itself out and who's playing the best. But at the same time, you don't want to stunt the growth of some guys like Jalen because of you know you're playing the hot hands or whatnot. And just to free up some minutes when when things like I know they're sitting Baines tonight, but they should probably smart sit Marcus Smart also just because that was his surgically repaired uh, thumb. He had to have it wrapped after the game. It's probably going to be fine to play, and for a lot of teams, I would say, yeah, you know what, go ahead. But this is Orlando. They're if they if they are actively trying to lose, they their roster will take care of that for them, you know. So I think Marcus Smart could sit. That'll open up more minutes. That'll help people get fed. Pretty much any time anybody's even feeling, you know, extra tired. Yeah, sit them down. Unless you yeah, need. exactly. Yeah, if they're yeah. So we're talking NBA, the new thing last several years is guys resting, you know, resting stars, resting players. And I think the Celtics are in a position where they're going to be able to do that, especially when it gets late in the year. Um, it'll be good to be able to rest guys, have guys ready to step up, and and also expand their role before the playoffs so that they're ready to go come playoff time. I, I think I think Stevens will manage it well. It's it, it just, it's a, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it's, it is a problem to some degree anyway. Um, whether there's enough shots to go around and, and who's getting all the minutes. Um, you, you, so we were talking about um, some of the injuries already. Obviously, Hayward sat on Saturday night. Is he playing tonight? Uh, he is not on the injury list, so it is entirely possible. I'm expecting- yeah, I assume that was just a early season back-to-back. They didn't bother. You know, There's no need to test out the ankle that, that soon. Um, as you said, Baines is out tonight. We'll see a lot of Tice, I'm sure. Um, and you said Smart is seem, is in. Maybe he'll play a limited role tonight. You put Terry Rogier, play 30 minutes, whatever. Um, against Orlando, like you said, not a big deal. Uh, interesting news. Uh, the NBA G League. Now going to be this is I mean coming off of the news of where they're they're working for getting rid of the one and done in college, um, and now the G League is trying to jump in and they're going to be offering contracts worth $125,000 to elite prospects over the age of 18. So these are people, Justin. This is these are people. You know, is this part of the agreement here that's that's going down between the NBA and the NCAA or how, what exactly? Exactly. Okay, so this is uh, for guys. Guys that weren't drafted? Uh, no, what this, is, what this is is an attempt to address one and done in the meantime that it takes them to sort out changing the age rule, which the 
there's some stuff going on. The, the very short version is to make it so the one and done rule was to be eliminated the year after next, the draft after next, I believe, 2021. Okay. So this would be a placeholder. Yeah. So this is, this is, this will probably continue beyond this because it's a good idea, um, no matter what. Uh, particularly for developing the G League. But the impetus behind it is probably more related to the NCAA saying, yes, we have solved this problem that we have had uh, with pay- players getting paid and, and we want to we wanna, you know, help them do what they're going to do. And the NBA and USA Basketball will figure out how to do something with these players, which means basically they just, they just shoved it onto these guys without even talking to them. Everyone was wicked pissed off. And the NBA was proactive. Personally, I think they shouldn't even care what happens with the, the, the NCAA. They should just treat them like a competitive, competitive league because they are. They draw, they draw revenue from them, whether they realize it or not. Um, they, they, they take away talent, particularly talent like this, that could be used and now is going to be used to develop the G League. Basically, every team except for a handful of teams have their own G League and Increasingly, it's being used as as a development league by the teams that are sending down not just their two-way players, but some of their other players as well. So you get to see a little bit more star talent, so people are more interested in going. And if you take the these marquee talents, like the the, the guys who would become one and dones in the current era, um, instead of instead of you know under the table payments of you know five figures, they can now legally earn six figures, and in a way that is kind of helpful, more helpful than before because they can be around an NBA system and learn how to be professionals with younger, mostly um, guys who've been in the NBA and are trying to get in or guys who are just as hungry as they are um, and aren't distracted by the things that go on on a college campus. So there is some utility to it, but I really think that the, the, they, should, they should allow people to draft in any draft um, like the regular NBA draft, um, the rights to a player, kind of like what they used to do um, way back in the day. So that way these guys can stay with the team that drafts them and continue to develop with them. Because right now these guys are going to be free to go into the league or the NBA draft after they leave the G League for a season, um, assuming they only stay for a season, which means that the teams that are, are, are like signing them to them are only really doing it for the publicity and not to develop them or have any kind of future connection to these guys. So it's, it's a well-intentioned move, but it's very, very, uh, it's a half measure in my opinion. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, how big of a boost I would give for say like the main red claws for taking on particular player a, and then him being, um, you know, like, you know, a, a big draw, for their games, I mean, I don't know how many of these G League games are, you know, filling up arenas. I, I, I imagine they're not, but um, it would be interesting to see how much of a financial impact that that has, right? I think it would sell some tickets. I would go see, you know, Zion Williamson or, or I don't know, R.J. Barrett or something if they were playing at a, well, if I was in Maine, but you, you get my point. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of NBA fans up there, so, I mean, if there, if there was players to draw, I mean, perhaps that would be... And it, that would uh, – I'd be interested to see how I'm, how that works out. Um, all right. So a- after one season – I mean one week, I'm sorry, into the season, <laughs> um, we've got hot takes coming out all around. Um, we got Charles Barkley, Tracy McGrady. I think Boston have a shot to win it all. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, 
I don't know how after one week you can make an assessment on that, especially given that the guy's coming back from what they're coming back from. Um, I guess you see flashes of what the team can be. Um, I, I would say I, my assessments haven't changed anything in just one week, although Toronto has impressed me very much in, in what they've done. They're, they're undefeated right now. Um, so there's a couple teams that stand out. For the most part, if you're 2-1, and 1-2, one, one and two, even if you're 3-0, oh, I mean, the Nuggets are 3-0. Oh, do we really think they're going to be world beaters? I don't. Um, granted, they've looked good, but I don't, I don't see how we can make an assessment after one week. But is there anyone that sticks out to you that looks, um, yeah, you know, polished, better than you thought, not, not as good? Any teams that stick out for you? Well, the Warriors are struggling. You know, they, they have, I'm going to get to this shortly, a suspended player of importance to their, their roster. So that can be attributed to at least one of the losses. Um, but, no, I mean, realistically, we knew the Warriors aren't going to really be trying very hard, and it's showing uh, with the loss they've already dropped. Uh, you know, Boston lost to the team I thought they were going to lose to. Um, I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. I thought it was going to be really, really close. Uh, Topher called that one definitely last week. Um, the The situation with Toronto is really just they look exactly as I expected them to, except for Kawhi. Kawhi is a little further along than I thought. He's not, you know, he's still rusty, but he's definitely further along. So I think they're going to pick up a handful of wins because of that over the course of of the season. So we may not be able to catch up to them unless unless we get a winning record over them. It's going to be very close, in my opinion, in terms of seating between Boston and Toronto. Um, Philly is right where I thought, um, you know, Milwaukee in the East is right where I thought, um, I'm, I'm worried about Houston, you know, Carmelo Anthony is not really helping particularly much. He's still a useful player, but he's not what I think they thought. Um, he might be able to find his way, you know, with, with a little bit more time to integrate into that roster, but, um, it would not surprise me to find Houston a four or five seed this season, um, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans look a lot better than I expected. That's about all I can think of that really, you know, in terms of the positives, the Lakers look a mess. Uh, I kind of expected that. They look a little bit worse than even I expected. Um, But I don't expect them to look like this by the end of the season either. So, yeah, more or less, there's not too much going on. I tend to agree with Paul Pierce in in that uh, video you were talking about. Um, The... The Celtics, I think, can still win um, a championship. But right now, it is still, in my opinion, clearly in the Warriors' favor. Uh, I don't really see anybody else likely to come out of the West besides maybe the Jazz, who look, again, about as good as I expected. Um, Any surprises for you? No, I mean, like you said, um, Toronto seems a a little, Toronto and Kawhi in general, uh, a little further along than I would have thought. Um, Granted, I thought that game was going to be tough. On Friday, and it was, and we lost. But um, they've looked impressive so far, and I wasn't sure how long it was going to take them to meld with Kawhi. But I, I think that's a tribute to how good of a player that he is. I mean, um, they've really already positioned that team completely around him, and um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how everything shakes out. Like, you know. If they have a stellar season, and you know, let's say they, they let's say they they beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals and go to the finals, um, put up a good fight against the Warriors, lose, you know, is that enough to entice him to stay there? Or I mean, uh, it's 
I like the Raptors taking the risk there. Um, instead of just being also Rams and, and coming back, doing the same thing they've done the last couple of years with DeRozan, um, you know, making a move like this it certainly makes them a better team. And I'm curious to see how it works out. We saw what happened in OKC with Paul George. Um, you know, he's sticking around after no one thought he was staying there. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I, I don't know what goes on in Kawhi's head. He's a little bit of an enigma. But um, I, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I think that they're making the right move here. Uh, Swing big. They probably should have blown it up if they didn't, you know, get any further than they have uh, in, in recent years, which is the second round. Um, I do think they're going to make the conference finals at the very, very least. I think they need to make the NBA finals to have a good chance of retaining Kawhi. Uh, if they make the finals, I think they keep him. Because what if what if they go to the finals and just get crushed? You know what I mean. Like then, they like they'll win at least a game. You don't think they'll so? Get, they'll win, they won't get swept. They might they might get a gentleman sweep. But I would. I, but I mean, even four one, even four one, and it looks like they had no chance to win the series. You know, I mean, granted, every team is going up against the same problem. But don't you think maybe he would try and build something somewhere else? I would say this: if they would let him flip, um. My goodness, why am I forgetting? Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. Um, yeah. If they, if they let him, because he's getting kind of older, and I'm actually surprised at how well he's playing this season. I don't expect that to last at that level for very much longer, even maybe by the end of this season. Uh, he's a very injury-prone guy himself, and, and he's, he's getting up there in the year. I think he's like 32 or 33 now. Um, if, they, if they gave him a voice in, in getting – um, a young talent back for him from a team that is trying to win sooner, perhaps, or maybe a high-value pick. Um, then I could see, you know, if they, if they gave him a very strong, and they will, uh, give him a very strong voice in anything that happens, um, then I could see him having a good chance, even if they end up, you know, with a gentleman sweep in the finals. Uh, but it's going to take something like that to retain him, basically offering him the keys and then if they don't, then they're going to need to move like all their older guys and just start over. Really, uh, I don't really see too much of an option for him in Los Angeles, though. No, and, but I, I think you're right. I think it's a, I think it was a good move on the Raptors' part to just go all in because, like you said, if they weren't going to do that, then they were probably going to have to blow it up, right? So why not? They save it off for another year. They can blow it up next year if they if they want to, or they potentially have a chance to keep one of the best players in the game. For an extended period of time, which I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. First, uh, uh, some more news around the NBA here. Um, we got Julian Edelman with the Patriots. Got Kyrie, his own Pat's jersey. Uh, they shared the same number, two stars on their respective teams, 11-11. So uh, nice gesture uh, on the part of uh, Edelman. Uh, our old pal Kelly Olynyk is the Wiz again with a buzzer beater for the Heat. Um, I didn't see that game, did you? They hate him. No, they hate him so. I know. Wizard killer, the John Wall killer, um, Kelly Olynyk. Um, they, I, I would have loved to have done a green envy on that. Would have been a Heat envy, I guess. Um, and now, maybe the biggest news of the weekend. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily basketball news, but it comes from the floor. Um, our old pal Rondo got into it with Chris Paul, uh, Spitgate 2018, uh, our, our man Tom Lane, 
wrote an awesome article about this yesterday, Sunday morning. Um, we're comparing this to the uh, the Seinfeld, um, Keith Hernandez, Spitgate uh, with Kramer and Newman. Awesome, awesome stuff. And I've heard that reference for a few times, but Tom was the first one that brought it to my attention. And uh, hilarious stuff. Uh, check out his article on SelfieSite.com. But let this this now. I don't know how many times you've watched this, Justin. I must have watched this clip a thousand times over the past two days. Um, so, I mean, just everyone, if anyone doesn't, I would imagine pretty much anybody here has, has seen this, <laughs> seen this, obviously, on the news in one way or the other. If you didn't see the game, I wasn't watching the game, but I saw the clips after. Um, basically, my assessment, you know, um, we had a long rebound. On one end of the court, LeBron tried to swat the ball out. It looked like he was going towards Ingram. Intercepted by James Harden. Takes off down the court. Ingram chases him. Gets in front of him. Harden lowers his shoulder and absolutely drills Ingram into the into the uh, underneath the basket. Um, gets a you know and one call. Wanted the bucket and the foul. And Ingram just gets up off the the the. Uh, under the hoop and just shoves him, like, and it looks like, and Harden looks so confused, um, which which was the which was maybe the best part of the whole thing. He just it does no idea where where this is coming from. I I now my take on this is, I would think that playing against James Harden all night must be one of the most frustrating things ever. Here's a guy coming to the basket. He gets every call and anytime you blow on the guy, but he like absolutely lowers his shoulders, throws his elbows to draw this contact. I mean, he hits Ingram pretty hard. And I would imagine he's been doing it to him all night long and probably built the frustration, right? Um, I, it, so this is where everything boils over. So Ingram shoves him seemingly out of nowhere. Chris Paul comes running over. Of course Rondo comes running over. And you and I were talking about this before. Rondo and Chris Paul beat probably goes back to the Celtics – Celtics days when Paul was still on the, the Hornets, and we were talking about training um, Paul for Rondo. Like, you know, as a this is when we still had the big three days. I mean, this is like what 2012, 2011, maybe 11, I believe. Okay, so I mean, so we, I would imagine, and if, if anything, Rondo probably had some, some more so than, than Paul bad blood over this, seeing as he was a part of this team, and obviously. You know, we don't doubt that Danny definitely looked into this deal. Like, <laughs> this was definitely it was a, it was a big topic of conversation way back then. Um, anyways, words are exchanged, a fingers poked in Rondo's eye from Chris Paul, and then all hell breaks loose. Rondo throws a left, and then everybody starts swinging. Um, you know, Paul had said Rondo would spit on him. Now that, that's where the big joke was: who, where did the spit come from? Who came from? The, I guess, the, so basically, someone came out with this slow-motion video of spit coming out of Rondo's mouth. And, and it didn't, to me, it didn't look, it looked like one of those things like you're shouting match at somebody and you're right in their face. And just like spit kind of comes out of your mouth. Like, it doesn't look like, it doesn't even look like his mouth is moving in that way to spit at somebody. But we don't have the best angle of it. Um, I, it, it almost looks like somebody, I'm telling you, it almost looks like somebody like added it in after the fact, because it's, I just, it boggles my mind how the night of this, there was no angle of this. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, we've got this angle with spit actually coming out of Chris, um, Ronald's mouth, 
hitting Paul in the cheek or whatever. Like, I would, this, is, this is the Houston Rockets doctoring up some video here. Um, I'm telling you, this is what they're sending to the league office, some Photoshopped-in spit. But anyways, I don't doubt that that spit definitely came out of his mouth. But, and then the, the eye poke is an interesting move. If you poke somebody in the eye, I mean, you better expect a, a fist coming, right? I mean, the league would argue with that opinion, but I mean, it's kind of, it's the, 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 the second worst spot on a man's body to get nabbed by something. And it's just kind of involuntary sometimes. Yeah, I, I just, like, it's, the, now the spit, obviously, you spit on somebody, you, you deserve whatever's coming to you, right? Especially right in the face like that. Now, whether that was, whether it was personal, whether it was on purpose, whether it wasn't, regardless, you better expect there's going to be retaliation. Now, the eye poke is an interesting move because, you know, you're, 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 you're keeping yourself in range. I mean, you poke somebody in the eye like that and you're still within fist, you better expect something coming back, right? The Rondo comes back with the, with the straight left hand, right? My favorite part of all this, though, so this big scuffle in Cures, you know, they each get a couple of punches in, right? A couple of good looks. Brandon Ingram over the top from behind. It looks like he gets a clean hit on Chris Paul from over the top. But, like, it doesn't even seem to phase him. I mean, Brandon Ingram is probably, what, what's Brandon Ingram? 6'8", 110 pounds. I mean, he looks like sticks put together. Um, It's just funny to me that it doesn't even seem to phase Chris Paul. And then, uh, obviously, there's the whole aftermath of... of, um, LeBron holding Chris Paul. He should have been with his teammate. Is he holding back his friend? They're, you know, he's off. You know, got his arm around him, walking around. Um, you know, how much trouble? How many? How much problems is this going to cause? Especially with a guy like Rondo in the Lakers locker room. This could be a problem if you if you have kids like Brandon Ingram looking up to Rondo in that way. There's other ways that he could be looking up to Rondo that'd be great, like his passing, like his court vision, um, not a shooting. Uh, <laughs> um, this could be a problem for the Lakers. This is exactly what people were talking about uh, when they were saying that there is a lot of explosive potential, like in a negative way, in that locker room. Uh, it remains to be seen. This could just be, you know, Rondo actually following the lead of Ingram. Um, and I kind of feel like it is, but you never know. You know, that kind of attitude, that Rondo-esque uh, confrontationalism is not something we saw in Ingram before this season. So definitely, definitely something to keep an eye the, on. The biggest shocker for me for the whole exchange was that when the original, when the the first shove from Ingram comes in, and then you know Harden steps up, all these guys step in. It was Deshaun Stevenson that comes in, and grabs Ingram, wraps him up, and like carries him away, which was just I don't know, total <laughs> total wild card. Like I never would have saw that coming, um, but. Yeah, I, just a wild, wild. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious. How do you think the league comes down on this? I believe the league has handed down a four-game suspension for Ingram, um, a three-game suspension for Rondo, and two for Chris Paul, which probably relates to the aggression you were, you were relating uh, that Ingram, Ingram was showing. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if anything else is going to happen with that, but. At least for now, uh, it seems like they are taking taking incidents like this uh, pretty seriously in the uh, post Malice at the Palace era uh, this season as well. Um, before we get out of here, I uh, just wanted to say 
that we have uh, three games this week. The, the game tonight I mentioned with Orlando, we expect Hayward and Smart to be playing. We don't have Aaron Baines. He'll be resting to rest that hammy that took him out halfway through the game uh, on Saturday night against the Knicks. We have the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, who have got Russ back. So it's going to be a probable win, but it's not going to be an easy one. Uh, Roberson being out will definitely help us. Uh, he'll be out until January. He had a setback with some knee surgery. Um, but this is a team that only lost to Golden State Warriors by eight. Um, and then we have Detroit with a new coach. Um, they're looking better, not great. Um, we'll probably take that one also. We could very easily sweep this week uh, coming up. Um, there's going to be home games again where you can get tickets at the top of CelticsLife.com where you can also get a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, you can find the pod on Wishka iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, you want to make uh, you want to make sure that we know whatever it is that we're doing is terrible. Don't give us a bad rating. Just let us know on any Celtics Life article or on Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag CLPOD. We're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage the way you want, the way you like it. And from me and Mr. Allison, we'll see y'all soon.